Hi again, Susanna here, and we're back with a new episode of On Call with Angel MD, the podcast at the intersection of healthcare, technology, and finance. I know I say it every episode, but please rate and review us on iTunes, or if you're listening from SoundCloud, like or follow or comment us, and feel free to share the podcast with any of your friends, put it on your social media, whatever you want to do. Thank you in advance for your feedback and for sharing, and we'll get into the episode. Growing up, my mom and I joined an organization called Furry Friends. Furry Friends is a pet-assisted therapy service that is made up mostly of volunteers who get their dogs therapy certified and then visit places where pets aren't usually allowed. For our group, that was a senior living community. I was pretty young at the time, around 13, and I had a really hard time connecting with the residents and understanding what their day-to-day life was like. Even now, as grandparents on either side are in senior living communities, I still have this difficulty. But as I get older, and my parents get older, I realize I need to be more comfortable with that part of life. In a weird way, I think my unease is reflected in America right now. Little less than 80 years ago, the American birth rate spiked and remained high from 1946 to 1964. Those born during this time period are commonly referenced as baby boomers. The baby boomers have had quite the impact on America, and they will continue to do so as after that spike, the U.S. birth rate dropped significantly, making baby boomers a large generation with no large generation after them. In fact, according to the Census Bureau, senior citizens will represent more than 20% of the U.S. population by 2030. So America has to come to terms with its aging population, and it has to do so fast. Back in May, the Elder Law Journal published an article by Sharona Hoffman entitled The Perplexities of Age and Power. In it, Hoffman chronicles the urgent need to focus on the approaching demographic shift in the American population. Hoffman's article in the Elder Journal proposes five actions America should do to better for the so-called, quote, silver tsunami that's coming. Of those five, three directly relate back to health care. The first of these is long-term care for the elderly. This exists in a couple of different ways. Those with greater mobility may just need an in-home aid. Others may have conditions that require them to reside in a nursing home or assisted living facility. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, The national average for the cost of a semi-private room in a nursing home is about $225 a day. That's over $80,000 a year. Assisted living is slightly less at $119 a day. Medicaid does cover some of that expense, though the future of that program is somewhat uncertain as certain states have taken steps to roll back Medicaid coverage. Although, as we just saw in Virginia earlier in June, they chose to expand that coverage. If you really want to get an idea of how expensive long-term care can be, check out the AARP's long-term care calculator, which I'll link below. Caution, if you're from the Bay Area like me, results may cause you to choke on your coffee. The next action Hoffman discusses is about improving the working conditions for those who provide long-term care. Professional caregivers captures a wide variety of professionals. Health aides or certified nursing assistants are common for those still living in the home and are usually paid less as they require less training. However, the most common professional person associated with long-term care is a nurse. Nursing homes are the third largest employer of nurses following hospitals and outpatient clinics. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment of nurses is projected to grow 15% from 2016 to 2026 partially because of the aging population and partially because of care gaps in the healthcare system. 
Unfortunately, this means the U.S. is not producing enough nurses to accommodate this growth. And it's also why Hoffman suggests incentivizing a move to the healthcare profession, specifically one in the geriatric field. The incentives could range from loan forgiveness to Medicare payment increases. According to an article in Hospital and Health News, 1.6 million new aid positions will be needed by 2020, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that the healthcare industry will soon be the nation's largest employer. Side note, an article earlier in The Atlantic this year says it already is. Additionally, of the many nurses in the USA today, about a third are baby boomers, meaning they're about to retire and leave the workforce. A 2017 AMN healthcare survey of registered nurses found 27% of nurses plan to retire within the next year. The supply and demand of the healthcare industry is not a new problem, but it will be exacerbated by the baby boomer generation. This is why Hoffman argues for more attractive benefits to non-clinical care providers. These three points, more accessible and affordable long-term care, better working conditions for caregivers, and incentivizing the healthcare profession make a lot of sense logically, but how easily could they actually be implemented? Is the industry able to adjust to this on its own, or will it need to be confronted by the next great disruptor? Let's zoom in on long-term care options to explore that a little bit more. So home care and home health care are two types of long-term care. Hey, wait, aren't those the same thing? Actually, no. Home health care is medical care provided to an individual in their home, and home care is more help with day-to-day activities. An alternative to home care is assisted living facilities or nursing homes. Earlier, I said Medicaid covers some home care and some home health care expenses. And that's true, sort of. Medicaid is funded by both federal and state governments, which means the federal government sets some baseline standards, but states have flexibility in what they decide to cover. In case you weren't confused enough, states also have multiple Medicaid programs. Most states do have a Medicaid plan that covers at least part of the cost of any long-term care solution. In contrast to that seemingly little coverage is the number of those who need it. 40% of adults over the age of 65 will need daily help, and 70% will need it at some point. So 56 million will be over 65 by the year 2020. That means over 22 million will need daily care by the year 2020. Now, the three points Hoffman makes, though good, can mostly be accomplished through policy, which, as we all know, is incredibly slow-moving at times and usually requires quite a few sacrifices. But something needs to change. So what if senior care is ripe for disruption. First, let's define disruption, because it's all too often used as a buzzword for things it's not. A TechCrunch article defines two different types of disruption. New market disruption, or a disruptive product addresses a market that previously couldn't be served. And then there's low-end disruption, which offers a simpler, cheaper, or more convenient alternative to an existing product. It's unlikely we could classify senior care as ripe for new market disruption because there isn't a clearly defined market that's not already being served. When it comes to low-end disruption, however, if you look at the cost and potential market size for an alternative to assisted living or any form of care or anything that would bring the price down significantly, a company could definitely come along and disrupt that space. There's an awareness of this within the entrepreneurial community, but it hadn't picked up until a couple years ago. A 2016 Guardian article cites ageism as a possible contributing factor, 
but also points out that the generation now moving into the caregiver role for their parents are the first to be digital natives. There's been a handful of gig economy type startups that allow the family to be matched with a home care provider. It's a plus for families as it removes some hassle and can be cheaper, and it's a plus for caregivers as in some cases the caregivers are company employees with better pay and benefits and thus a better incentive to do good work. And hey, that sort of sounds like the incentivation part of the Hoffman article we talked about earlier. Though we haven't seen an intense disruption take over in the 80 to $100 billion home healthcare market yet, as America reaches a tipping point of its over 65 population, we may see one rise. Now, I know I said earlier that home care is non-medical, but in a way, it is healthcare at its most basic. Ensuring an individual is fed, getting exercised, and getting extra care when needed is essential to that individual's well-being. You might even call it preventative medicine. Thank you for listening to On Call with AngelMD. Visit us at angelmd.co for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at angelmd underscore inc. We're on Facebook at slash angelmd inc. And you can find us on LinkedIn as well. I'm also on Twitter at smacha1995. On Call is a fairly new podcast, so we'd love to hear from you if you have feedback. Tweet us with the hashtag angelmdoncall and let us know what you thought of the episode. Leave a comment on SoundCloud or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. We hope you join us again.